WVNG Ed Talks, a simple discussion about sometimes complex military education benefits. I'm Dr. Sherry Schaefer, Education Services Officer for the West Virginia National Guard. Today we are going to ask and answer the question, hopefully, to test or not to test. And I know anytime most of us hear the word test or think of taking a test, we inwardly groan. Ugh. But for our service members, taking a test can sometimes open the door for more opportunities. I'm excited to have back on the show with me Sergeant First Class Jason Wilson, our Education Services NCOIC, GI Bill Manager, and Alternate Test Control Officer. Sergeant First Class Wil- Wilson, if I can say your name right, welcome back to Ed Talks. Thanks, Dr. Xavier. It's good to be back. So when I say the word testing, what does it bring to your mind? So I instantly think opportunity. Uh, all the different things that the testing can uh, open up, like as far as military jobs that you may uh, want to get into uh, with a with an upper score, uh, everything from flight school to things of that nature, even additional money. Uh, if you take the right language test, you can actually get paid for those. All right, so break it down for us then. What tests are available to our guardsmen in West Virginia? So you have the Armed Forces Classification Test, which is most commonly what most people think of as the ASVAB. So it's not called the ASVAB, it's called that test for a reason um, due to the fact that once you, uh, when you take the ASVAB, you're a civilian, and when you take the AFCT, you're generally a military soldier at that point. So uh, in order to re-up your score, you would, uh, you would take the Armed Forces Classification Test. Um, then we have the Defense Language Proficiency Test, which is the foreign language testing of any kind of foreign language. Then you have the SIF uh, test, which is the Select Instrument Flight Testing. Um, so that test is for aviators who are trying to go into aviation. And then you have uh, TABE, which is the Adult Basic Education Test, um, just a, a test of your basic education as far as like high school testing to for placement for certain jobs. And then you have the DLAB, which is the uh, it's a test that basically gives you the ability to see how you would uh, – Recept to like a, uh, a language test in itself, like if you would be a good person or a contender to, to do a foreign language, it's to learn it. So I was going to say, well, what is each one of these used for? But I think you've already <laughs> answered that question. So moving on, how might it benefit someone to take one of these tests? Um, I mean, like I said before, they can, you know, with an, a- with an AFCT test uh, to up their their initial ASVAB score, or change that score, um, it would allow them to go to a different school. Like myself, I needed to take a, to be a point higher to go to a reclass school. So I had to retest, I retest in 2017 before I even came to the education office. Um, that one point that I needed turned into an actual 113 GT score. So uh, once you get above a 110, that generally opens most doors to like barricades to jobs within the military itself. Um, then you have like your defense language testing. I mean, it can uh, it can open up doors as far as like uh, being able to like go different places or do different things if they need a certain language. It, it can also open up the fact that there's there's tiers for testing. So A tier if you're on the A tier for a language um, and you speak that language, depending on the proficiency of that language, you can get paid uh, additional amount of money each time you go to drill just because you have that language. And so we do know have a lot of people coming in to take these exams quite a yes. bit. Yes, we do. Um, AFCT, we generally test once a month. Um, you know, the third Thursday of every month is when we test for that. But all the other exams are by appointment only. So as long as they schedule through our office, we can we can get them taken care of. So who can take these exams? So um, 
generally speaking, it's mainly military members, but there is uh, like some civilian type stuff, depending on the agency, they can take those exams, but it's mainly like uh, active army, National Guard, reserve component, and then all the sister services, uh, Air Force, Marines. Uh, there are different requirements for those people to test with us uh, at our testing facilities. So that'd be a case by case basis, but we've had Air Force mainly test with us uh, from you know, the air wing here in West Virginia uh, for uh, AFCT testing. And um, they just need a memo uh, from their command and a, a 4187 and we can get them taken care of. So how often can a service member take an exam? So, you know, is it just anytime you want to or? Uh, generally, if you, the first time you schedule for a test, um, depending, and there's, I would say just about every single one of these tests is the same length of time. It's, it's six months between testing. If you don't get what you need, you wait six months. Uh, there is an, an ETP, uh, exception to policy, uh, process, uh, but there's a lot of requirements that go along with it, 150 hours of study time, things of that nature, and specific requirements. Like, it can't just be because, well, I feel like I'm prepared two weeks later to take the exam and I just want to take it. There has to be, uh, there's extenuating circumstances of why you need to take that exam. So, uh, unless those are met, then we won't process the ETP and you just have to wait six months. So if you don't get that score, all is not lost. Correct. Yeah, you can keep keep taking the exams. Um, the SIFT exam is an exception. Uh, that exam can only be taken twice in your entire military career. So the first time you take it, it you know, if you don't get what you need, which is 40 minimum, then yeah, it can it can be a real stressor. I know a lot of people have test anxiety, and that really puts the stress on you. You can only take it one more time. But the insight to that is, is you've actually seen the exact test, what you're going to take. It will be a different version the next time you take it, but you've seen basically what you're going to go through. So it gives you a better opportunity what to study as well. So am I, am I right in thinking someone shouldn't just walk in off the street and say, I'm here to take a test? Yes, definitely. Um, we, we, <laughs> we sort of can't do that. Uh, I mean, as long as they have a 4187 from their company commander or their battery commander, um, or their wing commander, depending on which service they're coming from. But um, as long as they meet that minimum requirement, um, then we can give them an exam. But we have to have that 4187. Now, there are some exceptions to that, like uh, ROTC cadets. They don't actually have to have a 4187. Uh, they just have to have a memorandum from their uh, cadet command commander um, basically saying that they are an OTC cadet and they need to come and test for various different testing. Now, are there resources available to help get the service member ready for the test? Do we, are there study guides and things like that out there? Yes, uh, there are a lot of study materials, especially for the AFCT. There's OASC, which is a Dante's provided 150 hours self-paced course. Uh, there's multiple um, practice exams, things of that nature online. Then there's uh, tutor.com is free for soldiers as of right now as well. They can go on register for a military account. It's free to them. Uh, it's available 24-7 to have a free tutor to help them with different uh, subject matter uh, within that test uh, to make up different sections, you know, math, English, vocabulary, whatever they need help in. Uh, that's what those tutors are there for. So, Now, what can our service members expect on test day? What, what should they bring with them, et cetera, et cetera? So for most exams, AFCT uh, and, you know, SIFT especially, um, CAT card, uh, social security card, you know, something showing their actual social security number. And then um, they shouldn't really bring anything, pretty much so anything else. I mean, they don't need, they can't bring calculators to the exam. 
Um, they don't need to have study materials that are a cell phone or a smartwatch or anything like that, a backpack, laptop. None of that can actually technically be in the room. So they, the only thing they really need to show up with is two forms of ID, their 4187, to actually test if they haven't already submitted it to our office. Um, then once they get in there, we do um, some verbatim instruction uh, about cheating and some different things about you know, the 5160 form that needs to be filled out to basically you know, show whether they actually are ready to take the exam or not ready to take the exam, things of that nature. And then once we get through all that, get them on the computer and they can start their exam. We give them their test scores at the end and everyone's happy. So the primary test location for West Virginia is at Coonskin, correct? Correct. Yes, it is. Um, we have two other test site locations, but those are pretty strictly mainly for RSF community guys. Um, they do mainly just only thing that they test there is for language. And so, that's where? So we have one in Canova and we have one in Kingwood. Uh, but there's the only test that they give there is defense language proficiency tests, and it's strictly for them because um, they, it was a need that was needed because of having to drive so far to come to our test location, and they generally give their exams on the weekends. So um, that's During the reason. Drill. Yeah. Correct. So that's the reason why we do that. So let's say test day rolls around, the service member shows up, and they just don't feel ready to take the exam. Maybe they don't feel well, or maybe they didn't get to study that much. Maybe they didn't get much sleep the night before. Should they tough it out, or is it possible to reschedule? It's definitely possible to reschedule. If, if anyone shows up for an exam and they just they have test anxiety, they don't feel like they're prepared, um, they have a financial or hardship going on in their life or whatever, um, we, we definitely don't want them to take the exam that day because then they're going to have to wait six months and – you know, that may give them time to get through whatever's going on with them. But at the same time, we don't want them to, to take that exam until they're fully prepared to take it. I know a lot of people, you know, I won't say a lot, but quite a few people show up and they haven't studied for the exam. They just are told to go and take it a certain month by their unit or whatever. And they, they just show up because they haven't been prepared and they take the exam. They do really badly. And then they have to wait six months and prepare again and explain to their unit why they didn't score well. And it, it's, it's just a it's just bad juju. So <laughs> they, they just need to like study, uh, take their take their breath, you know, calm down. And then when they come in, just be prepared to take the exam. And I know that sounds easy, but at the same time, you only know what you know when you walk into a test room. So you can't shove any more into your brain at that point. So you either know it or you don't. So it's just a test. So do you have any other advice that you might give someone who's thinking about taking an exam? Um, basically, biggest thing is to study. If you're not a very good, if you don't have very good study habits, that's something that maybe the, the tutors from tutor.com can give you. Um, you know, reach out to a buddy, uh, someone else that's taking the exam, maybe they, someone who's strong in like math or vocabulary or anything else. So it just depends on what area you're trying to do for the tests. Um, as far as SIFT goes, um, you know, there's aviation manuals out there that you can study from the FAA. There's at least two study guides uh, put on by two different companies that kind of give you a, a good basis of knowledge for the for that exam as well. And for DLPT, you can reach out to uh, DIFC out in California. They have different study guides. And in the, uh, the Rhymer online library from the Army library, uh, e-library, I should say, you can get things from there too. Check out, you know, different study manuals via the internet as well. So, so there's a lot of resources. Definitely. There's... There's more enough resources out there for your people to study and, and get help that they need studying, but it all depends on study habits too, whether they're they're better at like 
looking at a computer or doing like a self-test or whether they're better studying out of a book. Um, for a lot of these exams, we have study books in our office um, as far as, you know, especially for the AFCT, we have study books, you know, ASVAB for dummies. It's, it's the same basic exam. <laughs> it's just called, called something completely different. But, and I know that those books always get a chuckle when you say right, ASVAB right, for dummies. Because we're not saying they're dummies, no. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, if someone's trying to study for an exam, they haven't studied, you know, when I took the exam in 2017, I hadn't taken the exam again since 1996. So it had been quite a long time since I had, you know, done anything as far as along the lines that I needed to study for. So um, definitely getting that math help and the vocabulary help will help people out for that score. And you mentioned before uh, test anxiety. So I want to just add to that. If someone knows that they are that person that has some test anxiety, there are a plethora of resources available online too, some tips and tricks to help you calm your nerves to focus and that sort of thing, whether it's chewing gum to breathing exercises, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. And something else I'll mention is a lot of the, the tests, you know, they don't have a lot of breaks in between. Uh, the AFCT test doesn't have a break at all. So once you start the exam, you, you have to finish the exam before you can leave the room. So a lot of people, you know, they get nervous, you know, lots of things can happen. They need to go to the restroom, but that's not an option when you're taking that exam because it, it will be terminated if you leave the room. So um, now SIFT and other some of the other exams have, you know, specified breaks in between, you know, as you reach a certain point in the exam, it, it prompts you to take a break for so many minutes and come back. But that one's definitely not one that you have a break. So basically be prepared mentally and physically Correct. <laughs> for your yeah. exams. It, it sounds like a lot, but once you get in there and start taking the exam and get through it, it's it doesn't normally take people. Generally, we schedule everyone to be here by 8 o'clock and – we generally get rolling as long as there's no technical issues by about 8.30. And then generally everyone's done between 11 and 11.30. Um, and they got their test scores in hand. We upload stuff to iPerms, get them all taken care of, even get stuff into red. And, you know, it's every, everyone that's supposed to have their test scores should have their test scores at that point in time, including the soldier. That's good to know. So, Sergeant First Class Wilson, you have given us a lot of good information in terms of the testing process here in our state. And I think you have answered the question, to test or not to test. So thank you for being with me again on Ed Talks. You're very welcome. Thank you. So join us next time on WBNG Ed Talks when we get the scoop on state TA recoups. WBNG Ed Talks. Tune in, turn it up, and join the conversation.